This episode is brought to you by Triggered 22 LLC, a veteran-owned apparel company. By purchasing a t-shirt, hat, or hoodie from Triggered 22, you're not only supporting a small business, but you're bringing awareness to veteran PTSD and suicide. Please help save the lives of those who fought for our freedoms. Visit Triggered22.com now and place your order. Let's help those suffering from invisible wounds. Which isn't to say not to listen to the important people in your life, but it's also just very important to have that self-belief and be confident in what you think you can do. Welcome to the American Grown Podcast, hosted by Austin Sullivan. The American Grown Podcast will focus on people from different walks of life and their journey to where they are now. Now, turn up your volume and settle in for a great episode. Hi, I'm Austin Sullivan. This is the American Grown Podcast, recorded inside the ColorTech Creative Solutions Studios. Today, we have Ben Wolf, D1 track and field athlete, future coach, and aspiring pro dunker. Ben, welcome to episode 59 of the American Grown Podcast. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, excited I'm, to be I'm glad on. we could get together. I'm excited to get into your, you know, your your D1 track and field career, which is phenomenal. And for the listeners that have listened to a few of the episodes, you may know that uh, I was a track and field athlete at Cedar Crest. I was a thrower. Yep, shot field. Put, disc, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, exactly. Represented the field. So I had to throw in track and field. You're a track guy. You're up in the stadium. For some reason, I don't know what it was like with your college experience, but the throwers, well, I was at Kutztown and I did some throwing there Mm -hmm. and the throwers would always be like in a corner far away. Yeah. We were never in the spotlight, but, uh, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, Cedar Crest, you know, the high school here with Rob Bear, we shout them out. Great program. Palmyra Mm -hmm. Anvil with Sue Felty, who recently retired. Great program there as well. We actually both know each other through your cousin, Yep, the Felties, that's right. Yeah, through the Felties, through Nick um, and Tyler and all those guys. So shout out to Nick because he's helped me create some pretty awesome reels throughout he's this year. He's great with that, yeah. He is. He's really talented with that and just a good just a good guy uh, for sure. So for the listeners that might not be familiar, I highly recommend check out American World Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and you can see some of those reels that, uh, that Nick helped me make. But I'm curious, Ben, how did you hear about the podcast? Yeah, so I remember Nick telling me he was recording an episode, or he was helping you record an episode. Um, I don't know what he did specifically with that, if it was maybe having some video. Was it before Greg, or was that the first time he helped you out? Uh, Greg was the first one. Okay. Yeah, Greg Munyon. Just, I don't want to say freak of nature, but like such an athlete and bodybuilder. Oh my God, yeah. I I guess he is a freak of nature, really. Uh, Which, Greg, I hope you take that positively if you're listening. Of course. You know, he's built like a tank and just, he can do it all. He can run long distance, lift heavy Mm -hmm. weight. But but yes, Greg Munyon, aka Hollywood, if you listen to that episode, Mm -hmm. people will know what I'm talking about. But yeah, he was the first one. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so... Nick told me he was helping you out with that, and I know he's great with all that stuff, so I was really excited to see the episode. I grew up, I wouldn't say grew up playing basketball with Greg, but once I got to like high school age, I, w- I was always with Nick and his friends and playing yeah. basketball, so I, yeah, I've seen, I've seen him for a while and really loved his episode. Yeah, so what did you think? Like, what did you like about the episode? Well, it was really cool to hear his story. Like, I didn't know that he had like the, the kind of home life he did and everything, and so for him to talk about... I, I just love that for him, the ability to have such a difficult situation yeah. and really make the most out of it. Some people 
really kind of mope or get a little, and, and I'm guilty of this at times, I think we all are, but having a little bit of self-pity. And when you have such rough circumstances, it's really hard not to, you know, take that in stride and just really self-pity and, and get in your own way. But he was he was so good about moving forward and making the most of his life, and he's done a great job of that. You don't know, you know, the upbringings that everyone has is, is so different. And that's what I love about American Grown Podcast. It allows me to share other people's stories. And storytelling is, is how we connect as, as humans. And uh, it just shows the different walks of life and what people are doing. You know, whether it's a nonprofit or, you know, a veteran coming home or whatever it may be, you know. I just, I try to give people a platform to, to share their stories. And it's cool because I get to meet new people like yourself, learn that there is like such a thing as a pro dunker, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we're going to talk about all that. So Ben, let's start out with a little background about yourself. Where were you born? Where were you raised? All that good stuff. Yep. So I was born a little down the street in uh, whatever that hospital is that's relatively close to here in Lebanon, um, August 8, 2001. So eight was always my number. That's eight, eight. I was born. I weighed eight pounds, eight ounces. No yep. way. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and that's your, uh, in your social media handle. Yes. I wondered why mm-hmm. eight. I was going to ask you that. Yep. Ah. So there you go. So uh, was born in Lebanon, PA, lived in Palmyra, PA, and Anvil, PA for most of my life and uh, went to Palmyra School District. Any siblings? Uh, I, you know, any growing up, do you have any brothers, sisters? Mm-hmm. Did you compete with them, like in sports and things like that? Not really. They were both into swimming, and I was into just basketball, doing my own thing. And so they were just grinding out miles in the pool. Oh, and, yeah. You know, I'm over there on the blacktop. It's kind of, it's two very different things. Very so, different. Um, it was more the cousinly rivalry, of course. And oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure we'll mention Nick at some point. So Again, there you go. Yeah, yeah, he'll come back up for mm-hmm. sure. So in high school, middle school, all the way through, you know, what sports did you like to play? Yeah, so I didn't get into sports until pretty late. My first time playing basketball was in fifth grade. And so by that time, a lot of the people were... I I think being introduced to sports when you're a kid is a really good thing because kids don't know to care yet. Like, they don't have the context to overthink things and really get, like, uncomfortable. Right. Um, So I always wished I started sports a little bit earlier to really learn the game of basketball and to be comfortable on the floor and everything like that. So um, I played basketball... Wasn't good at it at all, but I do remember one of the my first coaches on that fifth grade basketball team. His name is Tom Burkholder. Ethan is a good friend of mine. It's his dad. And um, his dad said, you're going to be one of those uh, five, seven white kids that can dunk. And no he, way. Only, he was off by an inch. But other than that, he got it. Five, eight. And you're dunking. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right. So you, you always wanted to play basketball. You weren't the best at it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you, you kept trying. You kept going out. And I feel like you mentioned being younger and getting introduced into sports. Uh, kids are more open, right? There's, mm-hmm. They're not as judgmental, I feel like. It's just it's just fun. You know, as you get to middle school, but especially high school and college, it's, it's very competitive. Yeah. Right? It can be very, like, cutthroat. And I've never had to experience this. Like, I played football and did, did track, you know. And for the most part, if you came out to the team – you made the team and football for the listeners. I'm six, two, you know, in high school, gosh, it's probably like two sixty. So I was, they're not going to cut me from football, you know, but you kept trying to come out because you were passionate about playing basketball, but you kept getting cut. You know, what was it like being cut and how did you handle that adversity? Yeah, that was a really devastating feeling. I definitely remember like the first year, seventh grade. Cause that's, that's the first year you can go out for the middle school team. And, 
Um, I just remember being absolutely devastated. I was crying. I was super upset about it, everything. Um, and then eighth grade, you know, that same familiar feeling. It was really tough because that was basketball was what I loved so much. It was my identity. And then to have that kind of not go my way was a really yeah. difficult thing to cope with. So um, it's in a lot of ways lit a fire under me. But in a lot of ways, I also was a little bit down on myself. And I think if I had believed in myself a little more, things it could have even gone a little bit better. But I'm happy with where they are now. But that's I mean, the advice to always believe in yourself is instrumental for everyone and that's why being cut from the team because you you even said off air uh, even middle school you were getting cut Mm -hmm. like as a as a a young student a young athlete like what goes through your mind and what were some of the you know coping mechanisms you had for you know for for being cut like would you go on a run you know would you like what did you used to do to get your mind off of being cut yeah, that's a good question. I didn't have much. I've always been like a very bad overthinker. And so leaving me alone with my own thoughts after that was never a good thing. I hadn't really learned positive coping skills at that point. So it was definitely something I was really hard on myself about. Um, hadn't quite learned those those coping skills yet. I think later in life I started to, but at that time it, it was really tough. I wish I had a good answer for that yeah. in terms of like, oh, I did this, this, and this. But, you know, other than to go outside and try and get my reps in with shooting and everything like that. There wasn't too much I could do. And that's it, right? Put the time in because, mm-hmm. again, you're passionate about it. You want to get better at it. So what better way than, you know, like you said, putting the reps in, get putting the time in. You had mentioned about the importance of believing in yourself. And you even mm-hmm. put that on the form. Why is that important for, for anyone to do? So, I mean, of course, I'll give an example with myself and how uh, that was the case for me. And what I should have mentioned with coping mechanisms, one thing that came to mind was getting into plyometrics, which was not really something that anyone talked about. They talk, If you want to jump higher, you lift weights. Yeah. And so I was open-minded with that and came onto that pretty early in like middle school because I knew I was good at jumping. So I was like, let me get better at that. And with believing in myself, a lot of coaches were always telling me, coaches, parents, whatever, yeah. they come pick the friends up from my house while we're playing basketball. They'd be like, why are you dunking, putting the, putting the rim so low and dunking? Like, what are you doing that for? You could have the rim up at 10 feet, getting better at shooting, learning the game. But because I believed in myself and just did what I liked to do, which was dunking, later on down the line, I mean, being able to go to a lot of schools for track, being able to hopefully go somewhere with this pro dunking thing, it, it really translated well just because I did what I wanted to do and believed in myself, um, which isn't to say not to listen to the important people in your life, but it's also just very important to have that self-belief and be confident in what you think you can do. Yeah. There are a lot of people that will doubt you and they might not say it to your face, right? But deep down, you know, they're like, oh, why are you doing that? You're wasting your time. What are you doing that for? But if you can believe in yourself, like that's half the battle, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When did you start getting into track? Eighth grade, actually seventh grade, I went out for like rec track, which rec track isn't particularly competitive. It's just not many people have gotten into it yet. Um, I didn't know like good track clubs to be a part of. There is a great track club that I've coached for and competed for, uh, Hershey Blaze around here. Any of the younger listeners, I highly recommend. I mean, Coach Painter and um, the other Coach Painter, his wife, are, are both really great at what they do. Um, but seventh grade, I was just doing my own thing with rec track and I made it to States in broad jump. Um, wow. Really? Keep in mind, it's, you know, not the biggest pool that they're selecting from. It's not the same as if I had gone out for middle school that year. Right. So, yeah, but it was, it was the validation I needed that like, oh, you know, I can do something with this. 
So eighth grade year was the first time I went out like for the school and it was competitive and it was pressure and I'm going against a lot of people and mostly people who are better than me and I was not very good. There were at least three or four people who were my age on my team that were better than me um, and then ninth grade comes around. I start to get the hang of it a little bit and sophomore and junior year was really where I started to take off. So shout out to uh, Hershey Blaze. I mean, that sounds really cool. Maybe uh, future guests on the podcast, I'll have to look them up. I never even heard of that. So you had no track and field experience before you went there? I joined them my sophomore year of high school. Okay. So I competed for them from like sophomore and junior year. And then I ended up coaching for them uh, after my sophomore year of college. So I was just helping out a lot of the kids. And I have an anecdote with that I'd like to talk about later on. For college, you went to... LaSalle? Yep, nailed it. Nice, I got it. Okay. <laughs> and how did you tell me to remember that? It's like your buddy Sal. He owns an Italian deli, you know, Sal. LaSalle. Sal, LaSalle, yeah. yeah. It's perfect. And then uh, you transferred to Marshall University to be a part of the Thundering Herd. That's right, Marshall. Rand University, Randy Mouse, baby. Yes, that's <laughs> so good. You were a long and triple jumper. Yep. Take us back to LaSalle. Like, what was that experience like? I think that's uh, like the Philly area. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, yeah, take us back to like day one, you know, getting on the college campus and kind of walk us through, you know, meeting the track team and the coaches, stuff like that. Oh, yeah. I remember day one, I got there and the track team came back before everybody. So, I think it was just track and basketball there. We came back uh, two weeks early and this would have been 2021. So, COVID year is March of 2020. This is January 2021, to give you okay. a time frame. Perfect. And it's just me and the track people there. And Maya Primus and Aaliyah Allen were the two other freshmen, and they were awesome. I was so thankful. I had such great people in my life um, that really were able to introduce me to the team and to what things were like for them, and and, and they were just great people. So I was, I was really happy with that. Um, my coach, Coach Remington Blair, he was awesome. So having all those people around made it really easy. Uh, but the, the transition was difficult, but it's really just a testament to how important it is to have good people in your life. Yeah, oh, for sure. What did you find uh, most difficult going from you know, high school track to college track? The most difficult thing was the fact that um, you know high school track, you get a bunch of tries. I'm going to maybe take 100 jump attempts per season last year at Marshall and long jump I got 12 no nine I had I had nine attempts the whole season in long jump really yep so that's part of it you have to be perfect all the time you don't get to just be good one day and go to states because you have a good mark you have to be consistently performing and another thing too is I went from performing at Buck Swank you yeah. know just this little stadium in tiny Palmyra all the way to my freshman year, I was at Franklin Field three times. That's where Penn plays football. Oh, wow. That's where Penn Relays is. It's oh, the yes, most the renowned yep. yep, most renowned track stadium possibly in the world. Yeah. And so that was a lot of my mom sending me screenshots of like me on TV. <laughs> I mean, it's ESPN yeah. 5. So still, though, <laughs> so like that's 11, awesome. All 11 people that saw it, two were my parents. Hey, but you know, you're still on TV, man. That's so right. cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when did you go to, were you at Penn Relays? Yes, that's where this medal is from. That's in front oh, of us snap. now. Okay, mm -hmm. yeah, let's talk about that then since we're, we're hitting on this. Uh, the item you brought is a medal from Penn Relays. Mm -hmm. What did you get for uh, long or triple? That's the great part about it all. It's more, it's like a clickbait YouTube video here. It's, it's, it's a gotcha moment. I actually got this from a relay that I was in. My what? coach, yep. And, and also part of the reason I, I make the clickbait kind of joke is yeah. 
in 2021, they didn't have pen relays. They just did the Philadelphia Metropolitan meet, which was, I don't know, there were 10 to 20 teams instead of a couple hundred. Okay. So it, it was just a bunch of college teams there, it, you know, Penn and the usual suspects from Philly area and New Jersey and whatnot. And um, they gave out the relays from 2020, pen relays, which got canceled. So I got, my, my coach was just saying, you've been doing well in workouts. I want to put you in a relay, you know, kind of reward you for the hard work, yeah, right? Yeah. And so I ran my first 200 ever Jeez. and I was in a relay <laughs> and uh, my team ended up getting third. Technically, we got fourth, but right during the last 10 meters, the pen runner yeah. falls and he drops the baton. No. There's a, and, and there's a YouTube video on FlowTrack. It's got like 100,000 views. It's like dramatic collapse, yeah. collapse at the end of sprint medley relay. So, um, And the guy's totally fine, by the was way. Was he all right? Yep. A lot of times if you for distance runners, they'll have such a severe buildup of act, uh, lactic acid that they sort of like collapse for a moment. And it's, it's not like an actual injury. It's not going to last. It's temporary. Okay. But it's still... If you drop the baton, you're disqualified. So, yeah. so I walked away with this pen relays, oh, authentic pen relays medal, even though you know there's some some asterisks next to it. I mean, yeah. you you got it. I mean, you can't control what happens to the other teams, but that's really neat because mm-hmm. I mean, there's definitely not a lot of people that that have that. And to go from you know getting cut for basketball, and then you're like, you know what, I'm going all in on track and long jump, triple jump. But then it wasn't even for your jumping skills, which are very very good. You went for a relay. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. Long and triple, what were your, uh, I don't know, not, is it distance? No, not distance. Yeah, distances. distances. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and speaking of which, it, it is a field event. We're one in the same. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, you guys are. Yeah, but you're right. up at the stadium, though. We're up at the stadium. But you're yes. right. You are. So you're one of us. All right, cool. Yeah, so um, last season, my personal best in long jump, which, like I said, this was out of nine attempts, uh, was 22, three and a half. Oh, wow. Um, so run and jump as far as I can. I'll go about 22 feet. Right. Yeah. Um, that was into negative wind. And I had a foul that they accidentally read out that day. It was like 22, six. Um, so uh, around in that range and in triple jump about 45, nine and a quarter and a half, something like that was my season best. And so. these are, these are feet, right? Mm-hmm, yep. Whoa. 45 dude. feet, 22 feet. Yeah. To me that, and see, I was, I was a thrower, so I, I have nothing to do with jumping, but that sounds really good. Yeah, I mean, you, when you yeah. when you watch people do it, though, like you're collapsing your full body and trying very hard. Like I picture a twenty foot cliff, and it's like realize we're not jumping over that. You know, it, it's a little different. Yeah, jumpers, the field the field events just don't get a lot of credit at track. That's just that's just my take on it. But you know, for the fans that are there, you get to see some really neat stuff. Whether mm-hmm. it's shot put, discus, the weight, triple jump, long jump, uh, pole vault. You know, that would be that'd be considered a field event. Um, just some really talented athletes out there so now going from LaSalle to Marshall mm-hmm. why the transfer and what was it like yeah so a lot of times in college track coaches end up leaving and I totally understand if you have a better situation then by all means it's tough career so you know you should you should go for the more difficult ones and and my coach ended up leaving uh, LaSalle to go to University of Massachusetts. So he's up there now. Wow. Yeah. And I was, move. I was about to visit there right before I decided Marshall. I was still talking to him because great coach, great person. I, I would have been happy to jump for him again. Um, but basically, he just ended up leaving when I was at LaSalle. And so I said, all right, let me just take a gap semester for the first semester. I'll go back for a second semester. Let me hop in the transfer portal, throw up some Hail Marys, send emails to every college I can think of. Yeah. And you know, get back from a couple. 
both LaSalle and Marshall, they're both D1. Correct, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's what I thought. Marshall is um, like a mid-major school, though, so it's a very big step up in terms of like the money that they can give you. Um, okay. I, I wasn't even on scholarship, so that's not what I mean. They just started the men's program, so they didn't even have scholarship money to give. But like, if we are going out to to a four day event, yeah, like let's two days of track, two days of travel, we're gone for four days. They have to give us like eighty dollars a day for per diem or something. Oh, so wow. they'll hand you an envelope with like three hundred twenty dollars cash. Like I easily would have pocketed like two grand. That's when I was like, all right, the mid-major, it's a little, it's a little step up, it's like right? The, it's, yeah. It's, it's the schools that have bowl games. That's the distinction for those who don't know. And what was it like at that campus? At Marshall? Yeah. It was really interesting. Uh, I'd never lived down south before, and it was, it's weird. You can go to CVS and buy a handle of vodka. That's just super what? strange to <laughs> Pennsylvanians yeah. who only recently they made it legal to buy wine in a grocery store. I mean, it's, it's just ludicrous that you can do all that so yeah chipotle sells beer i mean there's all this yeah they and and a gram of marijuana is probably jail time you know what i mean like it's it's just the way the culture is very old school conservative values yeah Mm -hmm. traditional so did you make any like connections any any kind of friends on the team is there anybody that like you competed with or you like motivated you yeah absolutely and i mean uh carson casto is the name that comes to mind he was such a cool guy when I first got down there, I didn't know him as well, but especially towards the end, he was always the roommate that I got for uh, when we would travel, and he and he was great. So Carson's a great dude. Um, shout out to him. He's one of the funniest people I've ever met. So it was great to get to know him. I didn't necessarily meet any people that I went against. Like up north, it was great. I'd see all these people I recognized from yeah. just grow, you know in high school and college. You see him time and time again. Mm-hmm. But down south, it was. I didn't know anyone, but everyone's so nice with like track is not the culture that like a lot of other sports are where football, you want to tear people's heads off. You, you want to be angry at the opponent. That's yeah. an Track is very, very cordial, very sportsmanlike. Mm-hmm. We're all here to see someone do something athletic. If that ends up being me, that's awesome. If it's someone else, I still got to see something cool. So, yeah. you know, that's a great point for sure. Like track and field, it's competitive, but it's on an individual level. Yes. You know, you want to better yourself, which I think a lot of uh, student athletes can excel at because, you know, you, you, you want to better yourself. You're going to college. You're going to that next level. So now all of a sudden, of course, you want to better yourself in everything you do. So that includes sports. And it's not a – it is a team sport, but it's not, you know. It's right. it's, it's, it's weird like that. Um, just kind of like wrap up where you went from Marshall University till now. Okay. okay. Yeah, so part of why I picked Marshall was because of the coach, Coach uh, Donald Yentes. He's coached Olympians in triple jump before and long jump. He's an amazing jumps coach. And I was the first male athlete he had gotten to coach in 20 years because uh, Marshall hadn't had a track team or a men's track team. They, they did have a women's. A lot of people have to do that to balance Title IX. So he ended up leaving. He retired, which is awesome. I One thing I told him is like, if you're half as good at being a grandfather as you are at being a coach, you will be, your grandkids are going to love yeah. it. So, um, cause, cause he's a, he's a great guy, really good coach. Um, but he ended up leaving. So over the summer I go, all right, I was, I probably wasn't going to go back to Marshall anyways. So let me just withdraw. And so, um, withdrew from it, decided I probably wasn't going to go back to college for a while. And that's where I'm at right now where I'm just working full time and trying to get things going with the, uh, the dunking stuff. When I was at Marshall, I really started catch traction on social media in terms of um, like I was posting on TikTok a lot and 
you know, like my videos were getting pretty good engagement. I, I was just loving it because I loved making videos. I loved, always loved taking videos of myself and just editing them. But having an audience that liked them too was so cool. So I just wanted to keep doing that. Doesn't make me any money, but maybe can leverage that into something down the line. So, right, you know. For, for sure, for sure. And, you know, the whole time you have this going on, you know, D1 track and field athlete, you still have some uh, years left for eligibility. We were talking mm -hmm. about that off air. You know, you want to be uh, a future coach possibly in track and field? Uh, possibly or, in track and possibly. field, yep. Yeah. And now, you know, aspiring to be a pro dunker when you're 5'8", you know, I feel like most people that dunk are normally six foot plus, you know, mm -hmm. if we're being honest. And you you're still have all these goals set for yourself but yet you struggle with anxiety and depression like so many people do. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, especially with the anxiety, that really comes in when we're talking about sports because not only do I struggle with generalized anxiety just on a day-to-day -day basis, thinking about that mistake I made in third grade that you know keeps me up at night, right? Really? Not, not any particular yeah. mistake. You just get my point of that overthinking gotcha. and, and whatnot, right? But yeah. it really connects to sports because in an individual sport like track and the episode with Christian Carr, he makes a really good point about how individual sports are a lot of pressure. And obviously it's immensely different between fighting and track, but there is that overlap of at the end of the day, you can't blame this on your teammates. You can't blame this on point. the other team for being too good. You can't blame it on somebody for making a bad pass, missing a shot, anything like it's all on you, whether you win or lose. And so with that comes a significant amount of pressure how am I going to, is this pressure going to ruin me? Am I not going to be able to perform? Because it was definitely like that my freshman year of college before I got totally comfortable. But it's the most amazing high in the world to be coming off of a good meet. And it's the worst pain in the world to be coming off of a bad meet where you think yeah. you should have done better and know you could have done better. So the performance anxiety was really tough, but I just kind of learned what works for me. And for me, it's what I call hitting the fuck it button. Like that's yeah. just a piece of advice that I go by in my life is like it's sometimes you have to just do something that feels immensely wrong and immensely out of your nature just because you have to do it your body's telling you this is hard I don't want to do it I'm nervous I'm scared but you just have to pull the trigger and do it because hit, if you don't it's, yeah. it's not gonna happen hit hit the fuck it button yep I like that I heard a quote somewhere maybe it was on a podcast that you only grow and start to thrive when you live on the edge of of comfort Right, it's that, that comfort and being uncomfortable. That's where you grow. So for you, it's hit the fuck it button, which mm -hmm. is phenomenal. I love that. And for your reference, uh, you mentioned you know Christian Carr, a uh, professional MMA fighter. That was mm -hmm. episode forty three for the listeners. Recommend you check it out. Um, I know Ben, you said you listened to it. And, yeah, it was a great episode. Yeah. So now you know what are some of the things you do to cope? You know with that you know anxiety and what have you found that has helped you? You know again just just cope with that. Yeah, one thing for me is to really, I understand who I am as a person. And a lot of times I'm very, I'm a little bit more quiet or introverted. But as far as like my body, like I'm, I'm like not verbally expressive, but I'm a lot more physically expressive. Like anytime, if you watch any of my reels where I'm dunking, you like I straight face when I'm done, but I might do a backflip. Like yeah. I'm just one of those people who just like, I'm like more physically expressive, if anything. And so what I realize is like, if I'm out there on the runway, just like nodding my head on beat to whatever song they got playing. That's another cool thing about track. But, well, I guess a lot of sports have that. But, yeah, you know, at, at the Armory in New York City, when they have like the bass just bumping oh, as you're on the track, that's yes, just different, dude. you know. It is so, a different level. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Just real quick, because like, yeah, mm -hmm. sure. In high school, you have it like basketball. You have your 
your music, uh, baseball, you got your walkout song or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Football, you know, you play music while you're warming up and stuff in the stadium. But like, yeah, college level. Um, like when I was at Kutztown, I never got to go to to pen relays or anything like you know what you got to experience. But from my photography standpoint, for listeners that know, I, I do sports photography here for the family business, Blue Cardinal Photography, but also as a freelancer, and I actually got to photograph at pen relays. Oh yeah, this goes back like 2016, maybe 2014. I think 2016. Anyway, and you're right. Just the music playing mm-hmm. and, and and the crowd, like, it's a different environment for sure. So you would feed off that. Yes, 100. Yeah. percent So I'm I'm not in my my head to the to the beat. I'm just making making sure to stay nice and loose and kind of hop around. If I can feel confident enough to look ridiculous hopping around and nodding my head as I'm supposed to be up there looking all serious, then clearly I'm comfortable enough to maybe have a bad jump, whatever. Like you have to anticipate that things are going to go not your way always. Yeah. Um, and so it was just like learning to get comfortable with that. Um, what you said about being on the edge of comfort, that's such a, that's such a beautiful quote. And I, I agree. I think you really have to learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable Nobody likes going out there when you're the only one and you're the center of attention and you're doing all that. Like the adrenaline's cool, but at the end of the, like that is hard, but, but you can learn to love it or you can run from it. So it was just one of those things where again, you hit the fucking button. That's what hit you just have button. to learn to do it. Hit the fucking button. Yep. I love it. Yeah. Right. Or living on the, the edge of, of comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how you were, but when I was a kid, I couldn't even order like talking about being an introvert, extrovert, and things mm-hmm. like that. Like I couldn't even order uh, dinner. We go out to like a restaurant. Uh, the Inn Four Twenty Two used to be in here in town. Uh, well, in Lebanon, I couldn't even order like my meal. I couldn't look at the the waiter, the waitress, and like just over time, you get comfortable being uncomfortable. And you know, yeah, of course, you grow, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, but like never, the younger me would never have looked to the future and been like, oh yeah, I'm gonna try to. You know, I'm going to do a podcast. I'm going to be a host, and I'm going to be in sales and go talk to to people as my daily job. You know what I mean? Yep. So it's amazing how far you can come in such a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you believe in yourself and just be comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah, and and I'm glad you shared that with me. I mean, it's yeah. definitely like I have plenty of stories like that too. I mean, um, I remember FBLA in ninth or tenth grade which, you know, future business leaders of America looks good on a resume. You yeah. Know, we, we've right. all been there, right? And so I did like a, a FBLA state presentation and I was in a like conference room and this when I had to say the first line, my voice cracked on the very first line. I was super like, you know, I'd never had that before, like center of attention and all that, like totally cracked under the pressure. But, you know, that, that wasn't going to kill my confidence or anything like that. I mean... Look at someone like J.R. Smith, who's a, he's a basketball player. Yeah. This guy will miss eight three-pointers in a row and shoot the next four making them because he always believes in himself. Like you need, We all need to be a J.R. Smith sometimes and say, things aren't going well for me, but I know what my ability level is. I know that I'm able to be comfortable learning something, so be a J.R. Smith. It's just be confident in yourself and believe. That's what it's all about. So now we've talked about, you being cut, right, from high school basketball, yep. middle school basketball teams. But one of your goals is to be a professional dunker. We mentioned your 5'8". Mm-hmm. I did check out your Instagram. You are a dunker, dude. You're dunking over people. I think the one video I saw, the one reel, it was three people standing back to back, and you jumped over them and dunked. Yeah. Like, okay, so how do you train to be a professional dunker? And, like, yeah, let's just start there. 
Yeah, I mean, a big part of it was just like doing the plyos and the weight training. A ton of pro dunkers come from D1 track. Uh, I mean, yeah, there there's plenty of guys. Um, Jonathan Clark, uh, Jordan Sutherland, a lot of the biggest names, Anthony Hamilton. These are of the like top five guys in the world. That That's like three of them right there. And they come from track because there's a lot of uh, training. And I, I was going to touch on this a little bit, like, when Greg and I go to the gym, we could not look more different with what we're doing. He's doing high sets uh, with with high reps, and he's he's training aesthetically. There's a reason he looks the way he does. That, yeah. Like you said, that dude he's is a built. freak of nature, right? Yeah, yeah. When I go to the gym, I'm more so doing three to five reps, not really building any muscle, but you know, strength is a trait of the central nervous system. So at the end of the day, just learning to build more power, be more explosive, uh, do plyometrics, which is a type of explosive jumping exercise for those who don't know. Also... Believing in yourself ties in again with the jumps over people. That is a mental stunt just as much as it is a physical one. Um, because I have friends who are just as athletic as me, who might even be taller than me, could jump higher than me, but they, they don't learn how to do that because it's scary. Like I yeah. could hurt myself. I could hurt this other person. Right. I've never been afraid to do it in, in crowds in front of people. It gets a great crowd reaction in contests and shows and whatnot, obviously. So, um, but it was definitely just, do, I've done it. A thousand times. I mean, that's, I that's believe part it. of the yeah. reason. So, it's those reps, right? Yeah. Put, put the time in. Yeah, because some of the videos you were jumping over, like, the hood, but not just the hood of the car, but, like, the actual top of the car. What else did I see? The one was, uh, I think it was, was it 70 inches? So 70-inch box jump. 70-inch yeah. box jump. Running box jump, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, you, you cleared it. You, mm-hmm. you got right on top. Like, it was nothing. Being an aspiring professional dunker, is that something, because, again, I don't, I don't know much about this realm that you're in, but... I know there's like the Harlem Globetrotters. Does ESPN do, you mentioned there's like competitions. Like tell us a little bit more about that. And do you see yourself like, oh man, maybe I'll try for the Harlem Globetrotters. Like how does that work? It's interesting you mentioned the Globetrotters just because uh, my first dunk show ever, which is the other piece of the other item I brought that has to do with me. Wait, the uh, ball? Yeah, the ball. All that right. was from my yeah. first ever dunk show, which was in Odessa, Texas. Okay. I ended up being on the news for it and like I mentioned, it was it, there's an awesome clip on me of, of CBS 7 that's just set, Ben Wolf professional dunker, which I wouldn't call myself that, but I was there with the other professional dunker, so they just kind of lumped me in. Yeah. Um, but one of the guys who was there, the guy running the camp, his name is uh, Richard McCallop, um, good friend of mine. He's playing basketball overseas in Australia now, so I don't oh, see too, wow. much, yeah, too much of him anymore. But and, and he was a globetrotter for a little bit, but Isaac White. Street ball legend. Yeah. He uh Harlem Globetrotter for years and years. He was he was one of the core guys in it. This guy is five nine, five ten. He's a he's a generous five ten. Okay. Yeah. And I'll I'll yeah. pull up a video afterwards, but he can jump off two feet from about the free throw line and dunk it. He's the most insane athlete I've ever seen. Uh yeah, so he's just he's ridiculous. Um it was it was really cool to dunk with him. Right now I'm not even thinking about something like the Globetrotters, but it's been really cool to cross paths with some people like yeah. that. Yeah. And uh shout out to him because it's his birthday today actually. So Really? Yeah. Oh, shout out. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, we're recording this as of 12/7. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you bring the ball up? But just to yeah, bring it up on the table here. So this is the basketball mm-hmm. from your first dunk competition. That's correct. Yes. You did or, down text, or, Yeah, dunk show. So dunk we're just show. all there. It's a bunch of kids and we're we just dunk. That's okay. It. Like we, you know, we have a huge crowd of people around and then you just everyone does their dunks and yeah. gets a good crowd reaction and it's fun for everyone. Was it signed? Uh it's signed by Richard McCallop. He was the guy who did the camp. Uh he has an annual camp in Odessa. Okay. So, yeah. Dude, this is wild. Even though I'm 
six two. I cannot ball, but dang, basketballs are huge, dude. Yeah, like I I can't <laughs> even palm it. You know, right? Wow. So I mean, you're perfect size to jump over if you're about six two. So at some point, if there's a basketball rim around, when uh yeah, where it uh felty get together by all means oh we'll have to record it all right i'll do it i'll do it i'm down i could wear a hat and hold like a sign for american grown podcast or something there you go that'd be cool yeah dude i'm always down there was like a uh an episode coming out right before this two hunters uh they hunt like foxes and coyotes okay and they're like yeah sully they said we'll take you out hunting and i'm like i've never hunted before and i'm like you know what i'm down if you guys are serious i'll do it um i'm down to try anything Except roller coasters. Some of the listeners may know I, I hate roller really? coasters. Yeah. Tangent. I know we're going on a tangent, but... No, it's fine. I cannot stand roller coasters at all. Um, When I was little, my dad took me on the Wildcat at Hershey. Oh, yeah. And, like, I don't remember the exact age, but I know I was little because there's a picture... You know how they get those keychain pictures? You pay, like, absorbent amount of money. It's probably, like, 30 yes. bucks for this little picture. Uh, the picture is me. My dad's laughing his ass off, and I am literally sliding like down under the bar, holding on for life and uh, screaming. So yeah, I don't I don't do roller coasters. Um, but yeah, definitely I'd be down to have you jump over me. Now is it better? How do you do that? Like how do you? So where would I stand? Do I just hold the ball up. Yeah, you stand with like the ball in your head. Okay. Like, I, like I'm demonstrating now. I guess the viewers. I'll take a picture. It. I'll take a picture. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you stand with the ball in your head like I got this. Got it. Yep. And, um, I come from behind you, which just depending on the way you plant, like the reason I transitioned from track to dunking, I should mention, I'm not very Mm. good at jumping off one foot. I'm very, very good at jumping off two foot. So yeah, with, with the way I plant, which is left, right, fun fact, opposite of Nick, but yeah, but just the way I do it, I like to come from behind someone and have it, them holding it on their head. So, wow. All right. Cool. 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 Yeah. We might have to set this up for the new year for sure. What would you say in life you're most passionate about i would definitely say jumping would be as strange as that is to some people i just really love the whole process of it like that was my thing if i'm if i'm going through a rough time like that's my coping mechanism in terms of like i'm a person who definitely gets down sometimes like uh you had talked about the depression earlier and i can definitely touch on that but one of the best coping skills that i have is is exercise i've been addicted to exercise as much as to anything else in life i mean just when i whenever i'm having a rough time like after work yeah. my my gym is open um at the at the place i work cuz i work in hershey and at a hershey office they have a gym in there but um so i can just go straight from work to the gym and i love that i love being able to get off work after an 8 hour shift just change into my clothes and then being able to do squats, deadlifts, power cleans, all that. Like that's, that's just my favorite thing. What do you uh, like to listen to when you're working out? Um, I'm a big rap music guy. Um, I was really into King Vaughn before he passed, unfortunately. I have to check him out. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Chicago drill rapper is a lot of the stuff that I would imagine the demographic of your podcast probably wouldn't like. It's, it's a lot more so like young or in cities might do better that sort of thing yeah like um so like chicago rap definitely has some edge to it it just depends on nick was always really he had a really good taste in music so i got a lot of that from him he 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 is such a good understanding of rap he knew he figured out which kind of rappers i liked and could push me in the directions of one Uh, i I would like even more so yeah yeah. so nick definitely helped develop my my taste in music then it's always interesting to hear like what other people listen to especially when they're working out because it's like what motivates you uh, Mitch Spittle, do you, does, do you know Mitch Spittle? Mitch, okay, he graduated Cedar Crest. He was on the podcast earlier. Sorry, Mitch, I forget the episode number, but he's friends with Munyon, and he said he doesn't do any music, nothing. He's just like it's just wow. 
just my thoughts. He's like just me and my thoughts. And he's he's a he's a runner. Um, I mean, like tons of miles. I f- I forget uh, exactly how many, but all that good stuff. How can our listeners connect with you and follow along on your journey? Yeah, so you can follow me. I have a YouTube channel, an Instagram, uh, TikTok, Ben underscore Wolf Eight. It's just my name. Uh, obviously, there's not an eight in my government name, but you know, <laughs> that'd be wild. I think you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, just Ben underscore Wolf Eight on everything. Um, I just post mostly like dunking videos. I'm kind of figuring out my style as a creator and, and I just have a lot of fun with it. So before we close out, is there anything else you'd like to share with the listeners? Yeah. I mean, I definitely, uh, wanted to touch on like the depression aspect a little bit more. Um, so this is just kind of where I want to get into a lot of the more deep stuff. Um, cause I, I love being able to have the opportunity to talk about my, my track and dunking career and all the things I'm passionate about, but Um, definitely it's like the elephant in the room almost is, you know, there's always that looming thing. If you're a person and, you know, I sympathize with everyone all the same. And I think problems are relative. So whether you are depressed because someone broke your pencil or because your parents died at the end of the day, every struggle is relative. So if you have a severe depression disorder or you just, are really depressed because you're going through a tough time. Regardless, you have my sympathy. You're someone I would like to reach out to me at some point. If you are a person listening to this podcast, you are a person I would be willing to talk to about these sort of things. Um, but for me and and my situation, I think something a lot of people could relate to is just not being comfortable in my own skin and not really liking who I was growing up. And so learning who I was and like you said, almost being comfortable being uncomfortable one thing I didn't want to come to terms with was like me being an introvert, like as simple as that sounds, like it was like, I do everything in my power to just like deny that thought, but it's a lot more important rather than to change yourself to realize being comfortable with aspects of yourself is a lot more important. Um, an, an example I'll give is just like with weight loss, it's not something I've experienced personally. Like I've, I've never had a time where I, I felt the need to do that. But a lot of people spend so much thought mentally on losing weight that it takes a, a tax on their sense of self. If you, if you don't want to, do, to physically go through losing weight, then that's totally okay. No, like, you don't have to do that. But learn to be comfortable with yourself at the weight that you are. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but I think too many people focus so hard on, you know, oh, can I do this or this? And it's like learning to love yourself however you are is the more important thing. And, you know, I... The weight thing is just a random analogy. I mean, for me, it was learning to be comfortable as an introvert. I don't, I like to spend a ton of time by myself. And some people think of that as weird. I think of that as that's just how I like to live. You know, for people who have their own little thing that they're passionate about, if it's geeky, if it's whatever, like who cares? I'm geeky. I play a lot of video games too. Yeah, yeah. I obsess about stuff. I like learning about random specific things. Whatever, whatever you're interested in is cool to a lot of people. So I, I see a lot of people, I think, nowadays who are very lost. They want to identify with something. And a lot of times that becomes something not they associate with drugs or they associate with kind of a random parallel, but yeah. uh, political stuff. I think not, not that being into politics is bad, but people go down that rabbit hole so deeply that yes. they're almost getting mad every day for fun, which is just like... <laughs> it's sickening, right? Right. It's like, it's, yeah. Dude, you're causing your own pain. Yeah, yeah. So it's like whatever you're into that you think other people don't like, it's cool. Like the first six months of me posting on TikTok was like 12 likes, 17 likes. Like at yeah. first it's like no one yeah. cares, but once you truly appreciate that what you're doing, other people are interested in, there's a niche for everything. 
And I encourage everyone to follow exactly what it is that you like to do. A hundred percent. I think COVID really, um, I don't say good and bad, right? Because a lot of bad came out of COVID, but for sure, yeah. it, it either forced people's hands to try something different that they might not have because they just would have kept living life the way they, they would have. Or from a bad standpoint, I think a lot of people are still uh, fighting with you know depression and things like mm-hmm. that from losing a job, losing loved ones, things like that. It's just how do you believe in, you got to believe in yourself, be confident. And like you said, find something that you love for you. It's dunking, right? Mm -hmm. So you want to go all in. You want to be a professional dunker. You know, we're going to see you on ESPN. We're going to have you back on. Maybe you'll be with the Globetrotters. Who knows? You know, like your journey's just starting with this dunking stuff. And even like here with, with the podcast, American Grown Podcast, you know, there's times I'll I'll do posts and I'll doubt like, excuse me kind of losing my voice, but you know, you doubt like, Oh, is it worth it? Like, why am I doing this? And it's like, well, I truly believe everyone has a story, but there's days where you have that doubt, like creep in. Uh, even though this is episode 59, I mean, I've been doing it for a while and every guest has been like as awesome as you. They're appreciative. They're like, love what you're doing. Keep doing it. It's great for the community. You know, it's great for like Lebanon County. Absolutely. Um, and then like you mentioned too, though, it's just like every now and then you get a positive comment. Like I had on Facebook, Alex Troutman or uh, T-Bone, he's local here, went to Lebanon High School. I played football against him, and he just did some post. It was uh, like Thursday, Friday night about the podcast, real positive. And I was like, man, that meant a lot, you know? And sometimes it's that little encouragement from friends, family, or sometimes even people you don't know. Like there's people like, you know, I'm just meeting because of the podcast, and it helps build up your confidence. And it also, I think, is a sign that, hey, you're doing the right thing. You know, it's just those little positive reinforcement that it's like, yeah, this is the right thing. I'm doing the right thing, you know? Yeah. And and to add to that as well, I think it's really important to take a little bit of positive reinforcement from other people and really allow that to believe in yourself. Because at the end of the day, like the belief, not necessarily even just belief, but the, the liking of yourself is going to come from within. Like there are way too many people who have excessive validation and are still depressed and don't like who they are. It's like, if you're seeking validation from other people, like that's a, you know, that's a tough thing to keep chasing because, right. Like you you really got to take that in stride and appreciate, you know, the validation you do get because there are people who have one friend validating them and, and they love it and they love who they are. And that's awesome. Everyone, I wish everyone could be like that, but then there are people who, you know, I mean, we've seen professional athletes even like commit suicide. That's a really tragic thing. Yeah. But somewhere they're not sensing that literally millions of people are giving them this validation. So it really is all relative, I think. Yeah, let's take a sip break. This sip break is brought to you by Cleona Coffee Roasters, a small batch coffee roastery and coffee shop, veteran and first responder owned and community oriented. All coffee is roasted fresh to order. Now open every day from 5.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. Located inside 911 Rapid Response in Anvil, PA. To pick up where, where we left off, what I find interesting too, because like obviously like you're doing all these reels, right? TikTok, mm-hmm. Instagram. Sometimes I find that complete strangers are more supportive than like friends and family. Do you find that? It can definitely be the case. Some people just get tired of seeing it, but I, I, that's a really good, like someone needs to do a study about that. Like, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's I, an I, interesting I, point. I Maybe mean, there is one, but I, I feel yeah. like sometimes I've noticed that like, sure, there's, there's always like 
your like real loyal friends, family, you know, that are, are liking stuff. But I've noticed that there are complete strangers that are like, like people I don't really know on that level, like a friend or family. But then there's some friends or family that they just don't care, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It's just interesting. And I was wondering what your take on it was because I know looking at your reel, some of them have like three, four hundred, eight hundred views or more. I mean, I mm-hmm. didn't I didn't look at TikTok. I was looking at Instagram, but you get a lot of attention. Um, TikTok's probably more. Yeah. 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 With TikTok, it's a lot. And um, I mean, I attract a younger audience, so there's a lot of haters, too. That's definitely another thing to learn is like to not focus on that because that's just that's just what are the, like those are random people on the Internet. But I have so many people who are like uh validating me that means something to me and that's like more so what i would focus on with tiktok i yeah i get a lot more like views and likes and tiktok yeah. And stuff. yeah i've always heard if you have uh haters it means you're doing something right yeah so. right a lot of it comes from like jealousy which is also why i try my best not to respond to that because like people who say things to make other people feel bad don't feel good about themselves that's just a fact yeah. at this point like you know I, at the end of the day, the bully is always, what's he doing? He's compensating. He's bullying the other kid for, you know, whatever, for being short or something like that. Maybe his dad's hitting him and he feels emasculated. There's always something behind yeah. it, right? Like, so I just try not to think about it too deep. Yeah, you don't want to give him attention. Exactly. I feel yeah. like, because that's that's what they're looking for. And it's like, no, you can just keep watching and subscribing. I appreciate, you know, giving me your views. Comments are engagement. Comments so. are engagement. <laughs> yep. Let's boost the al- algorithm for exactly. sure. Exactly. So yeah, uh, real quick, you know, you mentioned in the future you'd like to be a coach. What are you doing now to maybe one day be a be a coach? And what do you what's your current like job like? Right now, what I'm doing is working security full time, forty hours a week. You know, sometimes a couple hours overtime. But I just got a job actually working uh, Wednesdays and Thursdays, which are my normal weekend. I work a oh. yeah an unfortunate Friday through Tuesday. Oh shift. man! So, so Wednesdays and Thursdays are my weekend, but. Now on Wednesdays and Thursdays, I'm working at this uh, gym, like the, the one on my reels with all the turf and the brick wall in the background. Okay. That that gym is where I'm working at. I had a friend there, Evan, uh, the Boyd family, Tanner, they're all great. They have a gym and yeah. I love what they do there. So I'm really happy to be a part of it. I'm kind of taking over. Yesterday, I even did like a speed and agility clinic there. Oh, wow. And, and he gave me like the green light to kind of run it mostly by myself. So getting my feet wet now in that game is awesome. I'm really excited to see where that goes because right now it's just a couple hours a week doing that. And um, I'm going to drop the weekends from the security job. Technically, right now I'm, I'm working seven days a week. You know, I can only do that for a few more weeks before I, I go crazy. So, um, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Especially working the weekends because that's when yeah. <laughs> your friends and family aren't working and you're going into work. Uh, what's the gym, real quick? Did, did we mention it yet? It's Turf Time Athletics in Carlisle, PA. I highly recommend it, not just to do it with me, but, I mean, the equipment that they have there and the methods of um, Evan. Evan Boyd's a guy who does yeah. most of the training there. He's awesome. He learned from someone very knowledgeable and is very knowledgeable himself. Okay. I love what he does, and uh, he has a very good and deep understanding of strength and explosive jumping training. I'll have to check them out. Anything else before we wrap it up? I don't believe so. I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, really look forward to what you do in the future. So oh, yeah, I thanks, appreciate man. it a lot. I appreciate you being a listener and yeah. coming on and sharing your story. Chair is always open if you want to come back. Yeah, absolutely. Ben Wolf, D1 track and field athlete, future coach, and aspiring pro dunker on the American Grown Podcast in the ColorTech Creative Solutions Studios. Thank you for joining me. To see photos of today's guests and more content, just search American Grown Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe 
and leave a review. If you'd like to be a featured guest on the podcast, please direct message or email Austin at americangrownpod at gmail.com.